Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to keep looking this morning at uh, the first reading that we have this morning from, uh, again, from the book of Exodus. It's, a, it's an exquisite reading, this, um, you know, this unfolding of the mystery of God before Moses from this burning bush. It's, it's really powerful. So I think it's really, it's, it's well worth our time to kind of just soak in it a little bit. So I have got, uh, I've got three friends right now who are, uh, they're married and they're all expecting, um, Babies pretty soon here, and it's been fun just chatting with them about the the names that they're thinking about. Uh, one of the couples in particular is um, they're, they're not telling the names to anybody, right? There, there's maybe some of you didn't do that, like you just kind of keep it very secret or whatever. And then there's other couples who are who are like you know spitballing, thinking about names, and uh, it's 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 fun. It's a really cool thing. I think every parent um, feels the same thing when it comes to that experience of, of picking a name for your kid because it's like this is this is a big deal this is a really big deal that like I get to name this human being and like this is going to be their name for the rest of their life right and uh, it's really powerful to name this other person determine this other person's identity right because names are so much more than titles they are they identify personhood right that's it's it's ourself it's where like I am located it's the it's the self behind my eye, if you will, right? It's, if I know your name, it gives me access to you. I can call out to you. I can address you. Most of all, I can be in relationship with you, which is why it's, you know, it's, it's really, it was really hard being a brand new priest here in, you know, these COVID times. I'm trying to learn people's names without being able to see their faces. You know, like I, I, uh, I was going through the directory trying to, someone was like, you know who that is. And I'm like, I don't think I do. And then I like, had to cover up half their face. I'm like, oh, I do. I know who that is. Names, they're so important. I can be in relationship with you because of it. I think that right there is what's so beautiful and powerful in uh, um, what's going on in this first reading. That Moses asks, this voice that's speaking to him out of this burning bush, he asks him, he says, when I go to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. If they ask me, what is his name, what am I to tell them? And God replies, the voice replies, I am who am. Eye asher eye in Hebrew. Like God gives us in this way, by giving us his name, he, he puts himself in a way that's never been done before. He puts himself within our grasp. Like He puts himself within arm's reach, so to speak, right? He gives us his name, which means we now have the ability to call out to him personally. He's not just this unnamed, distant force that speaks out of the whirlwind, that speaks out of darkness, but he's, 
He's addressable. He's able to be in relationship. And then God continues. I love this. He says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's as if he's telling Moses, like, I am the God of that story. I am the God of those promises. I'm the one who bound myself to Abraham in covenant. I'm the one who rescued Isaac. I'm the one who blessed Jacob. Like, I am the God of this story. And then there's this line. He says, I am concerned about you, about the way you are being treated in Egypt. If I can encourage you to pray with that today, just to like return to those words, let those words just repeat in your heart. Hear the Lord saying to you, I am concerned about you. I am concerned about you, about the way you are being treated in Egypt. And remember, Egypt... It's kind of what I was preaching about yesterday. Egypt symbolizes this fallen world. This world that's under the dominion of Satan. It's the world there where we guard our hearts. It's the world where we protect ourselves from being wounded. It's the world of lies. It's the world of falsehood. It's the world of wounds and pains. It's the world where love isn't always the dominant and operating principle. He's saying, I'm concerned about you. The way you're being treated in Egypt and the Lord sees us in that world and he says I'm concerned and he goes on further and he says this crazy thing he says so I have decided to lead you up out of the misery of Egypt so Christianity just as much as Judaism is the story of like it's humanity responding to the thing that God has done a thing that we couldn't even begin to hope for that he would do but he did anyway this rescue mission that Discipleship is not meant to be this Herculean effort of like attracting God's love. In the final analysis, what you and I are called to do, what discipleship is, is finally an acquiescing, a surrendering to that love. It's a, an accepting of the gift that's already been given. Like, I will let you lead me out of Egypt. I will let you lead me out of misery. Like, that's what divine mercy is. Misericordia, a heart given to misery. He leads us out of our misery. How? By giving us his heart. Not by fixing all the problems, but by accompanying us in that place with his heart. And he leads us out of that place where? To a land, he says, flowing with milk and honey. This land of crazy, superabundant goodness. This is a powerful biblical detail, but when the, the Israelites were finally liberated from slavery, in Egypt, and they were wandering through the desert, and God fed them miraculously daily with the manna bread. The book of Exodus describes the bread as tasting of honey, of tasting of mother's milk. So in other words, the food that they ate on their journey was a foretaste of the final destination. The food was a foretaste of the final destination. And the Eucharist that we receive in this new exodus that Jesus, the new Messiah, or the new Moses is leading us on, not from slavery to Pharaoh, but slavery from the powers of sin and death, this world of misery, this new exodus, we are fed with a new daily bread, a new super substantial bread that tastes like the final destination. It tastes like intimacy. It tastes like love, it tastes like mercy, it tastes like superabundant goodness. 
Like we pray at the beginning of every one of our Sunday liturgies, that prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas, but there's that line, the pledge of future glory. The pledge of future glory. That's what this is. That's what the Eucharist is. That, that's what the Eucharist is. That's what we're doing. As we're being led, we've been freed, we are being freed, and we are going to be freed. We've been led out of Egypt. We're going to be led out of Egypt. It's all happening right now in this Eucharist, in this Mass. The new Exodus is happening. And the question is, will we let ourselves be led out of misery? Out of all of the misery in our own hearts, out of all of the misery of our own isolation and fears and alienation, will we let the Lord accompany us with his heart in our misery to lead us into that place flowing with milk and honey? Amen.